And when the Holy Spirit brings conviction to your heart that you have done wrong against God and against men, there's only one thing you can do. You can reject it or you can accept it. And if you can accept the truth about God, then repentance means this. It means to have a change of your mind and a change of your life. That's what it means. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today's lesson continues our series exploring how to walk closely with Christ on paths of righteousness. As our passage is expounded today, Raul will address the very first step of a spiritual journey with Jesus, repentance. We hope you'll keep listening to learn the importance of confessing your sin and surrendering your heart to God so that He can begin a lifelong work of restoration and transformation. Here's Raul Reese now in Luke chapter 3. We come to the story of John the Baptist as John the Baptist begins to prepare the way for the Lord to come. In the first two verses, you have what we call a historical fact, as here Luke is beginning to give to us who was in power at this particular time. He says this, And now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the Tetrarch, which means one-fourth of the part of the land of Galilee, and his brother Philip in, uh, of Iteria, and the region of Triconius, and Licinius, uh, also of Albion, and then Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Now, John the Baptist, literally here, appears into the scene now. 400 years of silence now have been in the land. That is, from the last book of the book of Malachi until the time when we come to Matthew or Mark or Luke and John, in the beginning you have a 400 years of silence. We call that the silent years where there was no prophet speaking. Now it doesn't mean that there was nothing going on or nothing in existence, but at that particular time we have Greece ruling Alexander the Great, and then the Romans also coming in, and the Maccabean brothers were also in power during the time of about 134 B.C. But God was not speaking. The Old Testament ends with the curse, and the New Testament begins with God's grace and love and mercies. And so when we talk about these rulers that now are in power, we begin to see that the 15th year of Tiberius, Caesar, it's about 28, 29 AD. He's now in power for Rome. And Caesar Tiberius literally means a God river. That was his name that was given to him. And they took upon themselves the title of Caesar for because they thought that they were more powerful than God. They were told heathens. And they thought they were in control of this whole universe and the whole world. And so he became the second emperor of Rome. There were literally eight Roman emperors, but he was the second one. And he was ruling now at this time when uh, John the Baptist now and Jesus, they're about 30 years old. Remember, John and Jesus are cousins. John's six months ahead of Jesus. Jesus is six months behind him. But now they're adults. We lost track in the Gospels. Uh, We don't have anything 
After the age of 12 in the Gospel of Luke, anything from age 13 to age 30 in the life of Jesus and even John the Baptist. Uh, There's just nothing written. But I personally believe that during this time, not only was Jesus preparing himself for the history of the world, but very in touch with God the Father, being prepared to become the Messiah, continuing what God had called him to do, especially to not only prepare for the preaching that was to be coming, as he would be dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes and all these religious leaders that would actually come against Jesus Christ. But when we talk about Caesar Tiberius, we have a situation here because Caesar Tiberius was actually in charge. At this particular time, the Roman Empire possessed almost the whole world, what we call the European world. They were in command. They actually ruled over the world. For 1,500 years they ruled. For the first 500 years of Roman rule, among the Romans, there was not one divorce among the Romans. Nobody divorced for the first 500 years of Roman history. But afterwards, not only were some of the emperors homosexuals, and they had young people as lovers, when you read historical facts, but they were very perverted in their worship. They worshiped other gods. And so when Jesus Christ was born, he was born into an antichrist world. Kind of a time like ours where we have a little bit of religion, but the majority of the people really did not believe in God. And so you can actually see that at the time when Jesus comes, it's a time where, historically speaking, people were searching, looking for the Messiah to come, especially the Jews. They knew something was going on, historically speaking. They knew something was going to happen. But at the same time, when you talk about Herod, this is Herod Antipatus, the son of Herod the Great. And what's incredible about this Herod is that when you study history, uh, he actually stole his brother's wife. He took her, Philip's wife. And Philip's wife was partly half-cousin to them. They were kind of all messed up, perverted. But when you study this whole situation concerning Philip and Herodias, or that was her name, Herodias, she was committing adultery with Herod Antipatus. And this is when John the Baptist comes and begins to proclaim the gospel. And, and because he told him the truth, you know, he says, you either repent or you burn. He threw him in jail. And when he went to jail, in jail, every day through the echo of the Manchurist fortress, he would actually call out and say, hey, Herod, repent. You adulterer. And he hated it. Think of all the people today that are living a life of sin. They really don't know about repentance. Sometimes, I have to confess to you, sometimes I get really frustrated. Because I've been to places where I have preached the gospel of Jesus Christ where you could be killed. I'm not talking about America. And God puts that in your heart to really proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You really don't care if they take your head off or not or they shoot you or whatever they may do to you. Because in your heart and through your eyes, you see the life of the people that if they don't come to know Jesus Christ, they are going to die in their sins. 
This afternoon, I took my father-in-law back to the restroom where he's actually there. And there's all kinds of old people. Different kinds of people. And yet at the same time, when you look at these people. And you know that many of them do not know Jesus Christ. Some of them do. That some of them, even when they're dying on their deathbed, because I have had the privilege of not only leading people to Christ like that, but I also have had the privilege of getting rebuked and hearing and watching people in their dying moment cursing the Lord Jesus Christ and going out into eternity without repentance. And that's scary. To know that in any moment, as you close your eyes and you take your last breath, you are going to be in the presence of the Almighty God. And you're going to end up in hell for the rest of your life. And I feel that we're living in a time, not only as in the days of Noah, before the flood came, where they were eating and drinking and partying. And today there's no shame whether you're bisexual or you're homosexual or you're lesbian. Jeremiah 79 says, That the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the Lord, know your hearts. And it's incredible because as you read through the Bible, Paul the Apostle in chapter 1 of Romans, verse 18 through 32, he gives you a picture of the world in his time. It's the same picture today that Paul gave us in Romans 1. He says, and the wrath of God, he says, is coming because of the unrighteousness. The unrighteousness that people are practicing. And he talks about how men not only liked each other, the homosexuals and the lesbians. But it says they did not want to acknowledge the truth of God. So what did God do? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You see, God's not going to force anybody to come to Jesus Christ or to change your lifestyle. God doesn't do that. You can relax about that. God would never do that. The Holy Spirit is the one that can only convict and convert a person to Jesus Christ. Because when you talk about true repentance, do we really have the attitude in the heart to really change our ways for God's ways? I am amazed, you know. I mean, Jesus said, don't be like the world, but be an influence to the world. And yet it seems that we're becoming more like the world. And the world is taking over us more than we are actually overtaking the world as believers. And I'm concerned. Because of all the garbage that we see. All the things that we see concerning young people and all the older people and what we're doing. I share with you some of my concerns with piercing and tattoos and all those things. I'm not putting that down, but right now you're young, and I hate to say this, and you're a little bit dumb right now. Wait till you get a little bit older. Because <laughs> I was there too. You'll hate it. When you get into your 30s, into your 40s, and you're married, and you have children, and you're all tattooed out, and you're all pierced out, you're going to look at your life, and you're going to say, why in the world did I do that? It's no longer in style. When I was a kid, tattoos were only for those that went to prison. My father was a heathen. He told me, don't ever get any tattoos. I did. I disobeyed. That's why I can talk to you by experience. So when people come to me and tell me, I know better because I've been through all those things. And I can tell you that I hate my life in the world. 
Because the only way that we can come to the place where God can begin to use our lives and we can become an effect to our mother, to our fathers, to our children, to our friends, to our loved ones, is they have to see the change of your heart and your attitude. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 for a variety of resources to help grow your faith. Rawl also shares practical biblical insight on his YouTube program, Straight Talk, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. West Coast time. Now let's return to more of today's lesson. Back in the book of Exodus, when somebody would go out to the slave market and would buy a slave, they would take that slave and they would take him and the, the master would offer money for him. He would buy him, take him to his home, and then would make him a slave for six years. After six years, when that slave would be working for the master, and he would be working hard, after six years, on the seventh year, I, the master, would say to my servant, Servant, you are now free to leave. You can go. But if the servant would come back to me and say, Master, I love you. I've been with you for six years. And I have grown to love you and to serve you. And you're a good master to me. I don't want to leave. I want to stay with you for the rest of my life. And I don't want to serve you for pay. But I want to serve you freely. You know what the master would do? He would grab that slave by the hand and take him over to the doorpost of his house. He would take his right ear and put it down. And he would take an owl and he would make a hole through the ear. And then would put an earring on his ear. And that earring symbolized that I am now a servant by choice to my master because I love him. That's the same word used in the New Testament for servant. I don't have to serve Christ, but I love him. And if I love Him, what do I want to do? I want to please Him with my body, with my mind, with these hands and my feet, my eyes and my ears. Everything in the Old Testament are types and shadow of things to come in the New Testament. And that's why the life of John the Baptist was so important, even like for us today. Because John saw perversion. God sent him to begin to proclaim and to preach. There was perversion in Herod's palace. Annas and Caiaphas were not only relatives to one another, because Annas was appointed by the Jews, and then he was kicked out. And he was a thief. He was ripping the people of God off at the Temple Mount. When people were coming... And they were bringing their sacrifice. Let's say that I'm coming to the house of the Lord. I would come and bring a lift because the port only brought turtle doves. The only ones that could bring like sheep and lambs were the rich. And so when they would come, I would stand at the city gate. They come into the temple. And what I would do, I would be the inspector. So I would look at your lamb and I would say, well, let me look at your lamb. You bring it in. So I would say, oh, well, it has a blemish, maybe a spot. You can't give it to the Lord. You got to buy one from us. So what happened is when you come to me and now you're going to buy from me, I can't receive yours, but you're going to buy one from me, but I'm going to charge you 40% interest. This is why when Jesus came to the temple and he took a whip 
and began to beat people out of the temple is because they were ripping the people of God off. Jesus was mad and angry. You see? Religion does that all the time. It rips people off. God wants us to not only understand that He loves you and He cares for you, but He wants you to be totally committed to Him completely with mind and spirit. Because God has a life for you. You don't run your own life. You're under orders. You're under submission to Jesus Christ. And if you don't submit yourself to the Lord, let me tell you something. You can take the short road or you can take the long way around, but you're going to submit one day. You either submit by love or you're going to be forced to submit. When somebody comes to you and tells you the truth, don't be offended. They're trying to save your life because they've been there. You never know when you're going to stand in the presence of God. That's why you have to be ready to meet the Lord all the time. This is why here in the third chapter, not only in this perversion and this historical fact concerning these people, they were ripping off the people. And they were having perverted times in, inside of their own temples and their own palaces. There was one young man by the name of John the Baptist that was righteous. Look what it says in verse 2. And then Annas and Caiaphas being a high priest, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Where was John? He was way in the wilderness where all of the snakes and all of the deer and the mountain lions... He was a rough guy, man. That guy was out in the bush, waiting. And he said, you want to hear about Jesus? I'm not coming to you. You come to me. I like John. He didn't mess around. Watch what happens. In verse 3, he says, And he went into all the regions around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Notice what he was preaching. Repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Otherwise you can't come into the kingdom of God. What is repentance really? Is it joining a church? Going to church? Feeling good about yourself the next day? That's not what repentance is all about. Repentance first of all comes through the preaching of the word of God. And the Holy Spirit working in the life of the person that is listening. And when the Holy Spirit brings conviction to your heart that you have done wrong against God and against men, there's only one thing you can do. You can reject it or you can accept it. And if you can accept the truth about God, then repentance means this. It means to have a change of your mind and a change of your life. That's what it means. Your thinking changes. Your walk changes. Your actions change. Everything comes to an end in the old life. And now as I kneel down before God and I say, God, I am a terrible sinner. I have done this. I have done that. And I ask you to please forgive me. And it's not just words, but it comes from my heart. I am sorry that I have offended you. I have fought against you to repent for everything that we have done. 
And what's neat about that is that when repentance comes at this particular time, repentance came through baptism, immersion of the person going into the water, the Jordan River, and John would take them in and say, okay, one of the signs for baptism is what? Repentance. When I take you into the water, you confess your sins, and then I'll take you, and I'll submerge you underneath the water, I'll hold you down, then bring you up, and that is showing the world that you have repented. Now, baptism doesn't save you at all today. If you were actually baptized when you were an infant, and they put you over this little thing, and they pour water on your head, you were not saved. And you could even here at Calvary Chapel go to one of our baptisms, and you can go into the water, and we can take you underneath the water, and then bring you back up, and you can say, man, I've been baptized, and I'm going to heaven, and that is of no meaning unless you repent. Unless you change. It's of no value. It's just plain church. And that's why when you come to Christ, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore if any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a brand new person, and all things are passed away, and behold, all things become brand new. We can't be hypocrites. We can't continue to fornicate. We can't continue to party and drink and drugs and all these things and live a double standard life and then come to church and try to hear the Word of God and try to get ministered to if our hearts are not clean. That's what the Bible teaches. we got to be honest with God and men. I would love to see so many of you that come here to really make a stand for Jesus Christ and say, you know what, Ralph? I am a hypocrite. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I have sinned against God tremendously. I have come to the place in my life that I've done this, I've done that. But see, nobody can really do that unless it is the work of the Holy Spirit because we're kind of embarrassed or we're timid, whatever it may be. But when the Holy Spirit is really ministering and really working through my life and through your life, nothing is impossible with the Lord. Nothing is impossible with God. If you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus, we hope you'll give careful thought to today's teaching and go to Him in true repentance and faith. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to review the message you've just heard, we can send you an unedited version for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and ask for the lesson titled, An Exhortation to Repentance. We'd also like to offer you a new book from Rawl that carefully unpacks Jesus' teaching in his Sermon on the Mount. Titled Sermon of Sermons, this resource will guide you in keeping the Lord at the center of everything you do as you obey His instructions in everything from relationships to finances. Don't wait to place your order. Get in touch with us today to take advantage of our discounted introductory rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 and ask for Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons. Our number once again is 800-634-9165. You can also write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. 
we invite you to take advantage of our many free resources. When you download our app, you'll gain instant access to digital Bible studies and an easy scripture reading plan that's designed to help you explore scripture on your own. This app also provides a convenient link to our online resource store. For more of Roll's teaching, we've archived all of these programs for you to download as podcasts using iTunes or Spotify. And of course, you can visit us anytime on Facebook and Instagram to learn more or just to connect with us. Your generous gifts are tax deductible and help us keep the hope of God's Word on the air. We appreciate your partnership. Next time, we'll dive deeper into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We'll see how God is glorified and we are humbled as we follow Jesus as He leads us in paths of righteousness. Now, here's Raul with a closing comment. And I believe that tonight... That unless we repent, we shall all likewise perish. We have to stop being hypocrites. And I'm talking to myself too. Not just you. We got to be honest with God. Do we really love Him? He loves us. Do we really want to serve Him? Do we really want to go to heaven? Then are we living for heaven? Do we really believe there's a heaven? Do we really believe there's a hell? That's what the Bible teaches. But you're going to have to come to that place in your own personal life. Where you have to be honest with God and men. And you have to come to that place where if you want to gain your life, you're going to have to lose it. Jesus said that. He said, and if any man wants to come after me. And doesn't deny himself. Then how can we take up our cross and follow him. If we're not willing to say no to the world. And yet say yes to Christ. How can we even say that we can take up the cross of Jesus Christ. If we're not willing to really live for him. Then how can we really die for him. It's easy to die. But it's hard to live for him. You have to make that choice. That choice can only come through a heart of repentance. You have to repent. I am falling in love with you. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.